Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and I would just personally like to thank each and every one of you for pressing the button that sent this podcast straight into your ears. It is episode 91 of the podcast here on Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. It's another big podcast this week, episode 91, where we are going to, just like last week, talk about another economic topic here on this podcast because i've got one big question that i'm asking and i want an answer to what is a recession everybody's talking about oh my gosh there's gonna be a recession we all need to prepare well what exactly is that so we're gonna talk about that in just a second here on the podcast and it's a historic podcast this week because for the first time since september i believe we are talking about professional American football. Four teams are left in the NFL playoffs, and we're going to talk about them and the games this weekend on this podcast. I'm going to give my picks for the conference championship games in the NFL, so you'll want to tune into that when we talk about it later on episode 91 of the podcast. But before I start spreading all my facts, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow the podcast, download this episode, episode 91. As I said last week, download the episode because that's the biggest metric podcasts go by is downloads. So download the podcast, rate and review the podcast, then go on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on there at Zaders Facts. That is Zader with the Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. Spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast. And we got some other stuff too, like the Xander's Weekend Facts Newsletter, which comes out every Sunday morning. It's a recap of the week's top headlines. It is free. You can get it in your email inbox. Sign up for it in the episode description. There's a link. Go check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It's got the link for Xander's Weekend Facts and all the Xander's Facts links, including for the all-new Xander'sFacts.com which includes the Xander's Facts Shop. If you want to go get some facts swag for you or a friend or whoever you know, or for some random person, I don't care, go to Xander'sFacts.com, get yourself some facts swag at the Xander's Facts Shop. So this week, episode 91, let's dive into our main topic and our main question. What is a recession? We talk about it all the time. We talk about the Great Recession from 2008. We talk about the Great Depression from the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s. And now we're talking about it again in 2023. Why? And what exactly is an economic recession? Because you might talk about it all the time, but you might not actually know what the term means. And we're talking about that this week because there's been a lot of fear-mongering going on lately. I don't know about you all, but I get like a million notifications to my phone every day from the news apps. And I feel like every other day, or I'm just scrolling around, I see an article from CNBC or Yahoo Finance or Wall Street Journal, and it's telling me how to prepare for the impending economic recession. And listen, let me tell you all, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, there's going to be something much worse than a recession. And by the way, the whole debt ceiling thing that's been going on, I talked about that last week on the Zaders Facts podcast. So if you want a whole fact-filled lesson on the debt ceiling, 
check out last week's podcast, episode 90. Seamless bog. But for this podcast, let's forget about all that. Because even excluding the debt ceiling talk, there's been a lot of chatter about a downturn in the economy that has already come or is coming. And as we've said on the podcast, the economy has been relatively strong by several metrics, including employment, but by a couple of other metrics, namely inflation and gas prices and wages, it hasn't been that great. Coming out of 2020, the height, or basically the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. And by the way, inflation and gas prices have been a main topic, especially over the last year. Back in the summer of 2022, we also did a podcast on that, which you should all go check out because it did pretty well in 2022 because there were a lot of facts on that podcast. Ugh. There's also going to be a lot of facts on this podcast because there are many so-called experts, put experts in quotations, who are worried that the Federal Reserve's policy of raising interest rates could quickly lead to a downturn in the economy or potentially a recession. But you might not know what the term recession means. It just sounds scary. There's a lot of words and phrases that are thrown out there that are meant to make you feel fearful and scared. But we should probably know what they are first before we can get scared and fearful. Because there's a lot of things to get scared about in the world, but not knowing a topic is not one of them. Because you have the Zayers Facts podcast. So on this week's podcast, we are going to stick with the economic talk from last week. Bring it over to this week and discuss what a recession actually is, how it happens, and what the chances are that a recession could happen in the United States in the next year or so, because that has been the big, hot topic. Let's do it. So, we are going to get to all of that on this week's podcast, but we're just going to start out with the basic question that you and I have. What is a recession? I don't know. If you'd like the dictionary definition, a recession is the act of receding or withdrawing. But in the economic sense, Investopedia, love Investopedia because they have a lot of facts that I'm going to use here, they define a recession as, quote, a significant widespread and prolonged downturn in economic activity, unquote. So when the economy isn't doing well and it's trending downturn for a significant period of time, that's what we call a recession. But there are there actually criteria for a recession to occur? Because you look at the definition and it just says significant, widespread, prolonged. Those are kind of vague terms. But where we actually get to a certain criteria, that's where things get a little fuzzy. Because, you know, this is kind of a simple question. What is a recession? You would think. And if it was a simple question, this podcast would be a lot shorter. But there's no clear-cut answer. Because when we actually ask what the criteria for a recession to occur is, that's where things get a little bit fuzzy. True, true. There is a common sentiment, though. It's kind of trending out of favor for a lot of people. But the past common sentiment is that if we have two consecutive quarters, each quarter is a three-month period of negative gross domestic product, that's GDP, growth, then that means we're in a recession. That actually happened last year. The U.S. had negative GDP growth in the first of the second quarters of 2022, which means for the first half of the year, we had negative GDP growth, which isn't that great. And then in the third quarter, we saw positive growth. So by that definition, in the first part of 2022, we were in a recession. And there were some people who then declared that we were. But an analysis from... October by Raymond James found that other indicators showed 
that the U.S. was not in a recession, and that was really the common sentiment at the time, was that the U.S. wasn't in a recession, because that's not the only indicator that we look at. Or at least the people who full-time look at this stuff, economic analysts, look at. We've got something called the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER. It's a nonprofit and nonpartisan research organization that is the standard bearer for declaring recessions and informing on other aspects of the economy. This is not all they deal with is recessions. The NBER, in addition to GDP growth, takes a look at a lot of things like unemployment, industrial production, and retail sales. The NBER tracks U.S. business cycles and notes that when unemployment rises considerably, a recession is usually occurring. But since the NBER relies on government data for things like unemployment, because that's where we get unemployment numbers from, we might not know when we are in a recession, since the NBER will declare that we have one in the past, or it started months ago. So, you know, in 2008, technically the recession started in December of 2007, but into December of 2007, it wasn't declared that we were in a recession. February, March of 2020 was COVID, and everything shut down, but they hadn't declared we were in a recession yet until we got the numbers. And the unemployment numbers come out the month after the month they are recording for, I believe. And so then they take that metric and other metrics and declare when we are in a recession. This is basically the standard bearer, as I said. These are the people that we look to because usually they know what they're talking about. And when we look at the history of recessions going back to the Industrial Revolution, so we're going back to the 1800s, you know, we find that most worldwide economies have steadily grown over that period of time, but there's definitely been some contractions as well. The IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, found that from 1960 to 2007, almost a 50-year period, there were 122 recessions in 21 of the most advanced economies around the world. But over time, recessions have actually tended to become less frequent and shorter in length. And that's because of one big economic downturn that we had. Uh-oh. Back in the late 1920s and the early 1930s, you may remember this as a bad time in the history of America because it was a bad time for most places. The Great Depression. Governments around the world since the Great Depression have implemented policies like welfare, unemployment insurance, social security, and other fiscal and monetary policies that have the specific target of making sure recessions do not become full-blown crises or depressions like the Great Depression did. And another way that governments try this tactic is when the economy starts to go down, the government usually tries to cut interest rates. You've heard about interest rates, and we'll talk about it more in just a second. But a quick sidetrack here, because if you wanted to know what the difference is between a recession and a depression... I didn't ask that. I've got the answer, because they're kind of similar terms, but they mean different things in what they can be categorized as. Because recessions are more common, and they're not as severe as depressions. Like, a routine recession usually creates a decline in GDP of about 2% or so. More severe ones could be 5%. 
There was a recession in 1937 and 1938, which came after the Great Depression, which sent the GDP down by about 10%. Now, depressions aren't common. And because of that, we actually don't have a commonly accepted formula that is used to define one, like 2%, 5%, 10% of GDP loss. But in the Great Depression, GDP in the U.S. fell almost a third, 33%, and unemployment hit 25%. That's a lot of numbers. To put that into context, April of 2020 was when unemployment reached its peak in the U.S., and that only hit 14.7%. And if you've ever taken a history class, you know, the Great Depression was really bad for basically everybody. Man, that was rough. But then we get FDR and all the New Deal policies. So there you go. But if you're not counting 2022, and many economic analysts are not, that little recession technically, but not technically, because a lot of people don't think it was in 2022, but many believe that the most recent recession occurred at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. As I said, the unemployment rate that was 14.7% at its highest in April obviously came back to life pretty quickly. And despite the economic downturn, it was only two months in length. The NBER actually designated it as a recession, even though it didn't have that six-month span as that typical recession needs or the criteria that it needs but because of you know the extraordinary everything closed out it was extraordinary circumstances they declared it just a little mini recession but before that we have to go all the way back to the great recession of 2008 and 2009 and you all know that wasn't good either but between 2009 and 2020 there were no recessions or downturns in the U.S. economy. That was the largest economic expansion time, 126 months between June 2009 and February 2020 was the largest economic expansion that the U.S. has ever had. It's a fact. Between the end of the Great Recession, June 2009, and February of 2020, right as COVID starts, largest economic expansion of the economy ever in the history of the United States. But here's another question. How exactly do these recessions happen? Because that's basically what they are, but what causes them? And the answer to this, just like to the question of what is a recession, is not clear cut. Too bad. There really isn't a single common predictor of a recession. But obviously they've happened before. We can look at things that have happened beforehand because since 1854 we've had 34 recessions in the US, although only 5 have come after 1980. Nice fact. But because they have happened many times in the history of the US, we could kind of look at these things and see, well, this thing predicted a recession and this one did. So we can kind of look at these different things that I'm about to talk about and you know, we could say, well, maybe this does predict a recession. But, you know, of course, the issue is we would have one common thing that could predict a recession, but nothing is ever foolproof. So something that has happened before each of the 10 U.S. recessions that have come after 1955 is an inverted yield curve. If you don't know what a yield curve is, it typically shows yields on similar bonds, you know, stocks or bonds, on similar bonds across a variety 
of maturities. Maturities meaning time lengths, like short time length or a long time length. And usually, the yield curve slopes upward. It's actually like on a chart, a curve, which shows that if you hold longer-term debt, you've taken on more risk. If you take on a bond that has longer-term debt of a long-term 10 years, 30 years, however many long, you know, we're talking about decades, that usually takes on more risk than when you have a bond that is short-term, like one, two, five years. But when the curve is inverted, it's the opposite. And so now, instead of long-term interest rates having a higher percentage than short-term interest rates, long-term interest rates now have a smaller percentage than short-term interest rates. When this happens, investors are moving money away from short-term bonds into long-term bonds. And typically, we take a look at the 10-year, two-year spread. So you can buy bonds that are one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years, what have you. But usually, when we're looking at predictors of economic recessions, we're usually looking at the 10-year, two-year spread with the two-year bonds representing the short-term and the 10-year bonds representing the long-term. So when we go back to 2006, the 10-year, two-year spread was inverted. And then in 2007, long-term bonds started to outperform stocks. And the Great Recession began in December of 2007. And then in August of 2019, the spread actually inverted again. And then we had the two-month recession in February and March of 2020, which was, you know, COVID obviously happened with that. But maybe something with the economy would have happened anyway if that actually happened. But we'll never know the answer. Anybody could tell you, well, this was actually going to happen. They don't know because we're never going to know. And now you look at it today. Back in December, which was a month ago, 2022, the yield curve became inverted again. Today, uh, actually the day I'm recording this podcast, Tuesday, January 24th, the two-year treasury yield stood at 4.21%. The 10-year yield was at 3.46%. That's a three-quarters of a percent difference, and it's an inverted curve. How about that? Which we're going to talk about more in just a minute. But more specifically for the question of what causes recessions, there are actually several theories that economic analysts have. One of those theories is that significant and sustained increases in oil prices can raise prices for many other things in an economy, which causes inflation, which would create a recession. That's kind of like what we saw last year with gas prices and inflation rising. Now, another theory takes a look at credit growth and consumer debt. When we take on more financial risk during good economic times, we could get a bigger return or it could come back to bite us in the butt because some say that a recession can be caused by insufficient growth in the money supply. So if you're not getting a good return on your investments because you took too much risk and you're not getting good returns, money flow is not coming in as hot or the money supply is not growing. And that means you could have less money, which means you would spend less, which the economy doesn't like because then we go into an economic downturn. There are also theories that focus on psychological factors like what I just mentioned a second ago, taking on too much risk during good economic times or not enough risk. During bad times, you could be safe with your money, which is fine, but maybe a little too safe. 
So you're only getting an interest rate of like half a percent per year, which is pretty bad. So should we prepare for a recession this year? I'm diving right into this question because I know it's the question all you all have. Here it comes. Are we going to have a recession this year? That's basically why you came on to listen to the podcast. You just got through me explaining what a recession is, what causes it, blah, 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 Xander, I don't care. Is there going to be a recession? Are we going to have troubles? Well, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at all those indicators into the context of today. And let's look at the state of the economy. Because yes, as I said, the yield curve is inverted. But I said the last 10 recessions have come after the inverted yield curve. But there's been other times that the yield curve was inverted. But a recession has not occurred immediately after. Good to know. So that's one thing to put into the back of your mind. Unemployment is another big indicator. Right now, we're sitting at 3.5%, which was tied for the lowest level before the pandemic in February 2020. Obviously, those were circumstances that caused the unemployment rate to rise drastically in two or three months. So usually, when a recession, or at least when they think a recession's beginning, you'll start to see the unemployment rate tick up from 3.5%, maybe up closer to 4% or 5% or whatever. And that's what economic analysts are predicting is going to happen this year. We'll also probably see consumer spending slow. And another indicator is consumer debt, which has continued to rise steadily basically since the aftermath of the 2008 Great Recession. Consumers, you, me, us, we're all in this together. Once we know that we are, we're all stars and we see that. But all of us have or the collective of us, maybe not you personally, but people have been taking on more debt. Basically, it's been steadily rising as a cumulative number of all Americans. We've taken on more debt since the aftermath of the Great Recession. But the consensus among economists is that the economy is going to turn south in the near future, possibly this year. They believe that the Fed actually jacking up interest rates in an effort to calm inflation could result in a recession, or maybe just a downturn, which wouldn't be as bad for the economy. But we didn't talk about the Fed raising interest rates as an issue. We talked about oil prices rising, which makes everything else rise in price because our world runs on oil right now, trying to get that to change in the next few decades. But right now, our world, not just the country, our world runs on oil, and oil prices rose significantly over the last year or two, and it caused higher gas prices. But what it also caused was higher transportation prices for our goods and services and everything. And it was a big factor in inflation happening. We're still having high inflation, but thankfully not as high as it was. That's been going down, thankfully, but economists believe that, you know, if inflation goes down too drastically, we could get stagflation, which would also be bad for the economy. Because as we've said on this podcast, what you really want is inflation around 2%. That's the Fed's goal of putting inflation around 2% because your economy at that point is just, you know, steadily growing. Prices are always going to grow. A hamburger was, what, 50 cents in the 1950s or whatever. And now it's whatever McDonald's or Burger King charges you. Whopper, 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 whopper. No. But prices are always rising. We talk about inflation, I've said on this on the podcast, we talk about inflation as a bad thing, as a bad term. It's not a bad term, it's the excessive amount of inflation. It's the 8, 9, 7, 6% inflation, which is not good. 
if you get around 2% inflation, that means your economy is growing. That means prices aren't rising too badly and you're doing pretty well. And that is the goal of the Federal Reserve to get inflation down to 2%. And to get that to actually happen, they have been raising interest rates. Right now, they're about 4.25% to 4.5%. They could increase possibly to 5% in the near future, like in the next month or two or three. But what we've seen historically, and this is what economists are alarmed about, is the Fed has put up interest rates this high before, and a downturn in the economy has happened as a result. But the good news is that traders believe that the Fed is going to start cutting interest rates by the end of the year, and the Fed's end projections show them starting to cut interest rates by the beginning of next year. And obviously, they're not going to do it until they get, you know, at least close to their inflation goal, because that's their first priority right now is cutting out inflation. Then you turn over to, well, we just got rid of inflation. We can't cause a recession now. And so then you'll probably start to see the cutting of interest rates. And the Fed is actually projecting internally that the economy is going to grow by half a percent this year. So clearly they they do not see the recession happening. But typically when we're in a recession, let me just tell you what could happen. Economic output, employment, and consumer spending is all going to drop. And to combat this, the Federal Reserve is going to cut interest rates to support the economy, or a central break in other countries are going to cut their country's interest rates. What also is going to happen is that the government's going to bring in less tax revenues because we are going to have more people unemployed. People probably aren't going to be spending as much or making as much. So the government's going to bring in less tax revenues. And because we're going to have more people unemployed in a recession, we have to spend more on things like unemployment insurance and other social programs. So because of that, the government's budget deficit will widen. Watch it. Buddy. Why in Biden? But something interesting is that many don't see recessions coming. Usually economists aren't screaming it from the rooftops that they're going to have one, but that's what they're doing right now. And we're not, we usually don't talk about it on the podcast beforehand. But, you know, we can all now look back at 2008 and we can be like, oh, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we should have seen this coming. Usually we don't see it coming at the time. Right now, though, they're all yapping at us that this is going to happen. So whether or not that happens, though, remains to be seen. That's the answer to the question of, should we prepare for a recession this year? Well, if you trust all the economists out there, you really, really trust them, then absolutely it will happen. Bury down the hatchets. We are all screwed. Morning, morning. If you really, really trust them. But the data's mixed. So there's a chance it's going to happen and a chance it won't. So whether all these economists are right or whether they're all wrong, we won't know. And if they're all wrong, we can all laugh mercilessly in their faces. Ha ha, loser! But, as I said, the data's mixed. There's a chance it will happen, there's a chance it won't. And obviously, we might not even know. There might be something else, external, that just comes about and shakes our whole world. Like, a few months before COVID happened, did anyone, any of us talk about coronavirus, COVID? No, we had no clue. So, anything can really happen. But, like, is all the data trending towards a recession happening right now? No, it's not. There is some data, but as I said, there's no one metric that shows that a recession or an economic downturn is going to happen until it starts actually happening. Because 
when unemployment rates start rising, when consumer spending starts lowering, that's when we know that we are actually in an economic downturn. So could that happen in the next 11 months? Obviously it could, but maybe not. But we'll see. But remember that when you're dealing with economic issues, and any issue, really, to trust the facts. Xander's facts. Because usually you'd think, what is a recession? Is a simple, basic answer. But I just spent 25 minutes on it, so clearly it's not. Trust the facts. Xander's facts. And that is what I have on recessions in the economy this week. But we're not done with the podcast, because to wrap up episode 91 of the Xander's Facts podcast, we are talking about football, not soccer, even though we should talk about soccer because I'm all into it. But we're talking about American football and not college because college is over. Congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs who are predicted to win the game. They beat TCU. It was a absolute shellacking, a blowout. But that was the end of the college football season. But the NFL, the National Football League, professional football is not over. I've had a lot of gripes about the NFL, okay? Most of the stuff we've talked about previously on this podcast with the NFL hasn't been good stuff. Calm down, bruh. But, like, there's just something about playoff football. It always gets to you. And apparently it gets to you all, too, because the games we've got coming up on Sunday and the game in two or three Sundays are going to be the most watched sporting events or any event in the United States on TV this year. So apparently it gets to a lot of people because, yeah, we've only got three games left in the NFL season because we're the playoffs, if you didn't know, and there's just four teams left. The conference championship weekend is this weekend, and I am doing a whole preview segment just for you all to make sure you all have the facts. That's nice. Y'all know my picks for this weekend's matchups. I mean, by the way, I've been picking all the games on my Instagram page at Xander's Facts on Instagram since week one. So you should go check that out. And I made picks for last week's games too. I picked the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, and the 49ers. So I went three and one, which was pretty good. My overall record for this year, if you haven't looked at the Instagram page, it's 170 wins, 111 losses. And so I compared that to last year at this time. And they're pretty similar because last year at this time, I had 179 wins and 105 losses. And I don't know why the number of games are different. I don't know. I probably cheated. But anyway, this year's mark is good enough for a 60.5% winning percentage. Congratulations. And I also checked last year when I picked the conference championship games, I went 2-0. and I'm just saying, you might want to listen to the facts I've gotten just a second here on the Zaders Facts Podcast. But as I said, Conference Championship Weekend is here in the NFL. If you haven't been watching football all year, it's time to start caring because everybody's going to be watching it. The ratings say so. Millions, tens of millions, 100 million people are going to be watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's time to start caring about postseason football. If you haven't, if you're a diehard, then of course you've been caring since July when training camps. So even though I haven't talked about football much on the podcast this season, of course, I've still been watching. So let's get to the final four. This week's conference championship games, I've got previews and I've got predictions for the two games that are happening this 
Sunday. So let's get to it. We're going to start with the first game on Sunday. It takes place at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Fox. It is the NFC Championship game between the number two seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. They are facing the number one team in the NFC in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles. It is 1v2 in the NFC. And you could probably argue that these are the two teams who were definitely the most deserving to get here this year because they have the best records. And since we haven't talked much football this year, I'm going to do a quick breakdown of the two sides, how their season's gone. So let's start with the visitors, the 49ers, who are now, if you didn't know this, on their third quarterback this season. Whoops. Trey Lance was the third pick in the 2021 draft. He went down in week two with a season-ending ankle injury. That was not good. And he was replaced by old, reliable Jimmy Garoppolo. And Garoppolo led the Niners, actually, to the Super Bowl back in the 2019 season. If you didn't know, they lost to the Chiefs that year. But he had San Fran humming along. They were 8-4 and four before he went down with a foot injury. And so now comes in a quarterback by the name of Brock Purdy, the 262nd pick in last year's NFL draft, which is also known as the last pick in the NFL draft, which has its own title, by the way, if you didn't know this. The last pick in every NFL draft is known as Mr. Irrelevant. It's true! Because after that moment, you usually never hear of him again. And you've probably never heard of Brock Purdy before unless you, you know, really follow Iowa State football or college football. But here he is, Brock Purdy. He has not lost. As the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, he started seven games. He has not lost a single one of those games. 5-0 in the regular season, and now 2-0 in the postseason. And it definitely helps. Purdy is surrounded by absolutely elite talent. His top receivers are George Kittle and Debo Samuel, two of the best in the league. And oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey is the running back behind him. Also one of the best in the league. And add to that, a defense that allowed the fewest points per game in the league this year. They've got extremely talented guys on all three levels, the D-line, the linebacking core, and the secondary. They've all got extremely talented guys. And so San Francisco took care of business against Seattle in the wild card, 41-23, their division rival. And they hung on in a thrilling division matchup with the Cowboys, 19-12. Dallas lost again in the divisional round. Skip Bayless was not happy, but we don't care about Skip Bayless. But Stephen A. was very happy. And by the way, the Cowboys, in their last seven divisional round games, are 0-7. Yikes. That was a fact. How about the hosts, though? the Cowboys' rival in the NFC East. The Eagles, not the band, the football team, the Eagles with the league's top regular season record. They actually tie with the Chiefs, but 14-3. and They looked like the class of the conference, maybe the league, for most of the season. They had won 13 of their first 14 games. Jalen Hurts got hurt. It was a little shaky down the stretch in the final few games of the regular season. They dropped two out of their last three, but they still end up with the number one overall seed. So they get a bye week from the wild card round. So they have only played one playoff game. And sometimes 
the number one seed, or it used to be the top two seeds, but now since there's seven teams in each conference of the playoffs, there's only one team that gets a bye from the wildcard round. Usually that team comes out a little rusty because the team they're playing just won a playoff game and they didn't play. But the Eagles did not look rusty for a single second in that game. You could tell it was over by the second quarter in their win over their division rival, the New York Giants. The Eagles played the Giants back in week 14. They beat them by 26 points. On Saturday, they beat them by 31, 38-7. That's because that quarterback Jalen Hurts has thrown for over 3,850 passing yards this year. He's one of the best this year. And he's also got a three-headed monster for his receiving core with Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and A.J. Brown. Smith and Brown have each put up over 1,000 reception yards this season. And just like San Francisco, the Eagles' defense is no slouch. Hanson Riddick leads the team with 17 and a half sacks this season. The Eagles' defense allowed the second fewest yards per game in the regular season. The only trouble with that, though, was the only team in the league that was ahead of them in that metric was the San Francisco 49ers. Too many facts. So, let's get to my fact-filled prediction, because what a thing it would be for the 49ers to actually reach the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong, they are extremely talented, but Brock Purdy would become the first ever rookie quarterback to play in a Super Bowl. And he's also not the number one overall pick, not a top 10 pick, not a first round pick, not a second day pick, the last pick in the draft. And he would be the first rookie quarterback to ever play in a Super Bowl. That's cool. Now, that's the stuff. That's like stuff you can only dream about. That's something that a scriptwriter would write and the executives would come back and be like, seriously, this is not realistic. Give me a freaking break. But that's, we're 60 minutes away from that happening. These are two high powered offenses and they are matching up against two intimidating defenses. These two teams have been just dynamite on both sides of the ball all year long. So for me, oh, I was like, can I really pick the Eagles? I don't know. But can I pick the 49ers? I will. I'm going to go in a tight one with the San Francisco 49ers as my pick to win the NFC Championship game and move on to Super Bowl 57. How about that? But as of Tuesday, the Eagles are two and a half point favorites. So I'm just saying maybe don't. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It should be a really good game, though, because both of those teams are super good. They were the two best teams in the NFC this year. They deserve to meet up in this game in Philadelphia. But I've got the 49ers winning and moving on to the big game. But who are they going to play? Well, after that game wraps up, we got another game on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. It is the AFC championship game between the third seed in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are taking on the number one seed in the AFC. No surprise here. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm just going to say there were arguably three teams 
that stood above the rest in the AFC this season. You really had three teams, and then you kind of had the rest. Two of those three are going to be facing off on Sunday in Kansas City. The third lost to the Bengals last Sunday, the Buffalo Bills. So here's a matchup preview. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who were last year's representatives of the AFC in the Super Bowl. And anyone who thought that the Bengals would cool down after their magical run to the Super Bowl last year, anyone who thought that was sorely mistaken because Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, who has taken yet another step, both on the field and in his off-the-field popularity. And it helps that he's got three wide receivers who could arguably be the top receiver on a lot of teams. Jamar Chase is electrifying. And T. Higgins, both of them had over a 1,000 receiving yards this year. Tyler Boyd added another five touchdowns. But the Bill Callahan-led offense, Bill Callahan is the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, his offense has been so efficient this year that it did not even matter that the Bengals were missing three offensive linemen in their lineup in the divisional round win over Buffalo in the snow. It was coming down in Buffalo during that game. In fact, in that game on Sunday, Joe Burrow was only sacked once and was pressured just 21.1% of the time on his dropbacks, which was the lowest for any quarterback in the divisional round. Gash facts. Why is that? Well, that's because Joe Burrow, Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty, is so confident in any situation he's put in, he can release the ball so quickly, so accurately. I mean, like, no joke, he should be up there in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen as the best quarterback in the league. Because all he's done, except for that injury first year, bleh, all he's done after that is win. He's gone to the Super Bowl already. This is his third season, and he could he's about 60 minutes away from going to his second Super Bowl. The only team that is standing in his way to get there, though, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are a team that has been here every time since 2018. It is the fifth straight AFC Championship game that the Chiefs will be playing in the previous four. They're 2-2, two and two. so will this be a third win or a third loss? We will see. Good question. But it was another ho-hum year at Arrowhead in Kansas City, Missouri. The Chiefs tying the Eagles for the best record in the league at 14-3, and three, blah, blah, blah. Because we predict the Chiefs to always do this under the guidance of Patrick Mahomes, the magic of Mahomey and the Kansas City offense. The Chiefs averaged 413 yards per game this season. It was the best in the league. They had 298 passing yards a game. That's a league high. And Travis Kelsey, once again, has been Mahomes' favorite target. He garnered over 1,400 yards this season through the air, top in the league among tight ends. And that's all great, I guess. And the defense continues to get better from where they were a couple years ago. Remember, past AFC Championship games and Super Bowls where the defense was just shredded. They've gotten a lot better, but there's one big issue that the Chiefs are going to have to deal with this week, and that is the health of Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was injured in the divisional round win against the Jaguars. That's who they beat. And while Chad Henney was perfectly fine and actually led a 98-yard scoring drive in that game, Mahomes' backup, that was Jacksonville. With all due respect, with all due respect, 
they came back from 27 points down in the wildcard win over Tennessee. That's pretty impressive, but it's still the Jaguars. It's still the first year of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence meshing together. They're going to be really good, though. Jacksonville's got a bright future, especially with Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. But this year, you know, it's the Chiefs. Judge Xander. And Mahomes suffered a high ankle sprain. He came back in the game, but he that's a tough one to come back from. And they're preparing like he's going to play. But even if he does play, the explosive plays that Mahomes is known for, they're going to be limited. And that puts a limit on your offense. And you kind of don't want a limit on your offense when you're facing an offense as talented as the Cincinnati Bengals, whose defense has also gotten a lot better in recent years. So let's move on to my other fact-filled prediction. Because since the start of last season, these two teams, the Bengals and the Chiefs, have played each other three times before, including once in the regular season this year. Cincinnati has won all three of those games, and each time they have won by exactly three points. That's a fact. That's a fact! The Bengals showed they don't mind the Buffalo cold last week. They played in a snowstorm. Hopefully there won't be a snowstorm in Kansas City, but it's going to be cold in Kansas City Sunday night. Bengals, they don't care. Add Patrick Mahomes' injury onto that. He, you know, even if he plays, he's not going to be the same Patrick Mahomes. He's still going to be a really good quarterback, top 10 quarterback of the league, probably, even, you know, without all the mobility and all the explosive plays. But I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win. I've got, for the second year in a row, the Bengals winning the AFC Championship game and moving on to Super Bowl 57. And actually, this was surprising because I found on Tuesday the line, the Bengals are favored by two points actually in this game. So the better see the Mahomes injury and they're like, mm, Bengals are really good. Last AFC Championship game, Bengals won by three points. So we'll see. They're favored by two. That's the AFC Championship game, the NFC Championship game, and the NFL Conference Championship games, which kick off this Sunday, second to last Sunday of the football season. How about that? So Super Bowl is coming up two weeks later. Of course, we're going to preview Super Bowl. I've got Niners Bengals. Sure about that? We'll see how it turns out this Sunday, and then we'll talk about it again on our Super Bowl preview show here on the podcast in two weeks. How about that? So there you have it, our preview for Sunday's football games, and that is basically a wrap on all the facts I've got this week. Thank you all for slogging through all the facts with me this week. And remember, since you're already here, since you've made it to the end of the podcast, you should probably be doing these things anyway. Remember to follow this podcast on your podcasting app, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. Download this episode, episode 91, on all your podcast apps. Go on all, Download every podcast app and download the podcast. Like, I think that's a smart idea. And then you can delete it the next day, and then you can download it again the next day, and you can delete it again. Do the whole cycle. Rate and review the podcast. Check us out on the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Sanders Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. Spread the facts. Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about Xander's Facts Podcast. Xander's Weekend Facts, the newsletter. Sign up, special link, and the episode's description. It is free. Check out Xander's Facts on YouTube, too. 
because all our new episodes are posted on YouTube. You should check that out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It has got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for the Xander's Facts website, xandersfacts.com, which includes the home of the fact swag, the Xander's Facts shop. That is episode 91. Episode 92 is coming up next week. And if you've been looking at the calendar, you would say, hmm, this is the last episode for January. Episode 91 is. Episode 92 is coming up next week. First week of February. First day of February. February 1st. And if you don't remember what we did back in February of 2021, February 3rd, to be specific, we actually launched the Xander's Facts podcast. That was the first episode two years ago, almost two years ago, February 3rd, 2021. So next week, episode 92 is our Xander's Facts two-year anniversary. Whoa. That is absolutely insane. Much love to you all for supporting the podcast for two years. That's amazing. Y'all are awesome. And don't worry, I'm going to be praising you all with much more love next week. Our two-year anniversary podcast is next week, episode 92 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. But that's it. That's a wrap on episode 91 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And the Xander's Facts Podcast rolls on with episode 92 next week. Z-A-N-D-E-R-S-F-A-C-T-S dot com.